Kuch. And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there from 1985, the Miracle Workers from Portland, Oregon with Go Now. Today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Babes and Toyland. An interview with Babes and Toyland, who are playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, tonight at the Biltmore from June 18th, 1993. And then a brand new interview coming up with Lori from Babes in Toyland. So two interviews with Babes in Toyland on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. And to prepare you for Babes in Toyland, right now I'm going to play another, yes, another Miracle Workers tune. Because Cat from the Miracle Workers, a, f- a favorite band, Babes in Toyland, Cat from Babes in Toyland, loved and loves the Miracle Workers because she also is from Portland, Oregon originally, or the Portland area. So we're going to hear the Miracle Workers from 1985 with Inside Out and then an interview with Babes in Toyland from Lollapalooza, June 18th, 1993, Thunderbird Stadium. Here's the Miracle Workers with Inside Inside out, yo 
are you? Um, I'm Lori, and I play drums and sing sometimes in Babes in Toyland. And Lori, who else is in the Babes in Toyland? Um, Maureen Herman plays bass, and she lives in Chicago. I live in Minneapolis, and Kat Bielen plays guitar and sings, and she lives in Seattle. And it seems to me there's tons of bands, not tons of bands, but tons of records with the name Babes in Toyland. Do you have any of those, or have you seen oh, any yeah, of the movies? I, I never used to have them, but people give me, uh, I have like puzzles, mittens, um, games, books, um, every, records, every, lots of stuff with Babes in Toyland on it now. <laughs> what are the records about? What are they about? Like who put them out? Like what? Was it a cartoon? I don't. I don't really know what it was. Oh, okay. There, there was. It's like an old um, children's story, and then it was made a movie. I know that there's one with Laurel and Hardy, and I know there's another one with Shirley Temple. And it, because the last time I played in Vancouver, one of the guys that worked when we were with Faith No More, the guys that worked there, he was in the movie Babes and Tron with Shirley Temple. So I got his autograph. Wow. I thought that was pretty neat. Well, speaking about old things, there's sort of a garage theme to Babes in Toyland, isn't there? Um, what do you mean? Well, the first time I met you, I think that was um, many, you were playing at the, over, you were backing up the Marshmallow Overcoat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, what's the name of that place called? At, at Club Soda, and you yeah, swore you'd never play there again. Oh, yeah, no, that was, um, th we kind of got ripped off there. By, by the promoter and she's really a jerk and so we said we'd never play there again and we never did. Did many gigs happen like that? Do you get ripped off like nah, that? No. Nah. We've had the, um, there, we didn't really get, the thing was we weren't really exactly ripped off. We just, um, we were, all every band that played, one was from Arizona, us, um, with Numb, a local band. And then, yeah, and they were the local band, and we were supposed to headline, and all of a sudden this Numb band was headlining, but it was in our contract that we were supposed to. It was like, you know, being out of town and everything, and it was just really, she's, 
the promoter was just a bitch. It was weird because I was at that gig because I sort of knew the guys in a marshmallow overcoat. Yeah. I went, my friend Grant, who's in the band of Smugglers, was there early and he said, hey, you got to check out, there's this cool band from Minneapolis called Babes and Toyland playing. So I went to see um, went to see you guys early and then you played and I ended up videotaping the marshmallow overcoat and not Babes and Toyland. I know. Well, and, and they were sort of garaged, uh, uh, yeah. would you say? Have you ever met up with them since, the marshmallow no, overcoat? No, I, well, actually, we um, went down to, they're from Arizona, and I stayed at one of their houses once, and I can't even remember what his name is. Terrible name. Him, Randy Love, perhaps? Um, oh, well, Randy, Randy Love, yeah. You met up with them again. So at that time, when you came through Vancouver, when was that? Was that like 89? Yeah, that was probably, yeah, it was like four years ago, I would say, yeah. Probably around there. And I mean, you know, we're, we're not a garage... We're not a garage band, we're a basement band. We started practicing um, in my basement, and that's where actually we feel the most comfortable is like little holes in the wall to play in and stuff. I mean, you know, that are like really nice, dark, dirty, and intimate, <laughs> you know? And I mean, this is really a blast, but it's really strange, too. At that time, you didn't have anything out, did you? Or you were going to just about have a sub-pop single, or were there something else out? Then there was just 145 out, because our sub-pop single, I think, was our second release. The first release was on Treehouse Records. It had um, Dust Cake Boy and something else, I don't know. On the back of that sub-pop record, who is that sort of lady with the gun? Um, I don't know. There's this, there's this guy who does pictures, a lot of the photos for um, sub-pop, and he lives in Portland, Oregon, and I met him, and uh, he just collects old photos. Like, he buys like, and just, you know, uses them for things. I mean, it's pretty neat. I have tons of old photos, too, and he just put that on there. I liked it. You also mentioned, I know, hate to drag out the garage scene, but you mentioned you, you knew the Cave Girls. They were a cool band yeah. from Minneapolis. Yep, yep. I used to be roommates with Sally Sweet. She was in there, that band. Um, she loved, to, she was strange. She loved to eat steak tartare and blood pudding a lot. If you, if you know what that is, steak tartare is raw, raw meat, like, and like some kind of, like, I don't know, saute stuff, I mean, or like marinated or some kind of spices. And then blood pudding is just like blood from meat, and you just make it like into a pudding. I don't know, but she ate that all the time, and I'm like, just kind of got willied out by that. <laughs> didn't unfortunately, didn't one of them die actually in a scooter accident? Yeah, one, um, one of them got killed. Um, Anna, she, they, she was a little mod girl. They were mods, and she was just a sweetheart. And she was ready to get married, and she was just gonna get married. She's engaged and stuff, and um, she got killed in a Vespa accident. They were totally cool, the cave yeah, girls. They had a great sound. Yeah, it's like the Fun Seekers. Did you know those guys yeah. at all? Yeah, the Fun Seekers sure do. No, is that Keith Patterson? That guy? Keith, yeah. He's in a band now called the Spectres. Have you heard of them on XOXO Records? Wow, you're really up on it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen them in a while because I'm very rarely home. And when I am, I'd like to go out every night if I could, but I just don't. So I haven't seen them yet. And in the background now, we're here live at Lollapalooza 1993, June 18th, 1993. And also, um, just, isn't there a store in Minneapolis called Garage Door? Yeah, that's um, it's across the street from Twin Town. And it's owned by this, the same guy who has Twin Tone Records, I think. And uh, that's a really great record store. They do have a lot of records there still. So another garage name. So I met you with the garage band, Cave Girls, Fun Seekers, a store, called, a store called Garage Door. And then also in Minneapolis, have you heard of K-Bank Studios at all? K-Bank. Because they recorded, like the Trashman recorded there. Oh, really? I don't... 
If it's still around, it's not the same name. And the Guess Who recorded there. Oh, really? I like the Guess Who, too. Who's your favorite Canadian band? Um, well, you know, I don't know where a lot of bands are from, but I know that Rush is from Canada. I really like, I think Rush is awesome. Um, I was really in, when I was in high school, I listened to Caress of Steel a lot. And the song Bastille Day and all that. But, um, yeah, I was like, kind of, oh! And then, um, I also like, uh, No Means No is really cool. They got a brand new album out right now. Yeah, that's what I just heard. So I, they're, they're cool, too. Can Beeps and Twinin once get stuck at the border? Like, in your press kit, it says, oh. Canadian border hates you. They do. They took, they took apart our bus just, yes, day before yesterday. They w- took all the cushions out and did everything, and I don't know. Why for you guys? Um, I don't know. We're suspicious looking. I don't know why. I have no idea. Maybe because I have dreadlocks. They're pretty prejudiced there. They only pull over people that don't look like Joe Blow who lives next door and has a nice white picket fence and kids and stuff like that, you know? They're really... Anywhere where there's authority, there's pre- there's tons and tons of prejudice. Some ego. They were probably all teased as children or whatever. And, I know Kat isn't here, but she was into the Miracle Workers, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She used to live in uh, Oregon. and she Another garage band. Yeah. We played with them a couple of times. Actually, they, um, they're living there now, but I think they're living in L.A. for a while. Because they were sort of like way before all the sort of cool MC5 Stooges sort of became really popular again. It's too bad they didn't get more attention. Well, yeah. I mean, they're really huge in Europe. They, go to, they tour to Europe all the time, but they never tour the States hardly ever. Um, the Wipers, too, weren't really, they were really great, but they aren't really very well known outside of, like, the, you know, the Northwest Coast, you know? It's kind of weird. Isn't Cat married to a guy called Stu? Yep. And he's in Lubricated Goat? Yes. And they're from Australia, the land of garage, more garage? Like, you know, like, like there's, like, the late Radio Birdman and Lime Spiders. Have you guys, did you guys ever tour there before? No, we're going there in, um... I think October, maybe. We're going to Australia, Japan, and New Zealand for our first time. So I'm really psyched. Have your records come out over there? Like, how is the distribution now being on Warner, Warner Brothers? Yeah, it's WIA over in Europe. Um, Australia, are, we're still on WIA, but our um, previous releases are all being released as one by a man named John Bacassettis, and he owns... Waterfront? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, works at, he did work at Waterfront. And he had Insipid Records, and he quit Waterfront, and now he has just Insipid Records. He put out like a lot of, he put out the cows and um, us like 45s, and um, God, I'm totally blank for who else. But um, we're doing that, and Robert Williams is doing our record cover. Robert Williams? Yeah, he's an Robert Williams is an artist. Um, he has to work for Big Daddy Roth, and he's pretty. He's, he's a really great artist. He. Uh, um, but he's he's doing our record cover and it's called um, name of the compilation is gonna you know all of our records gonna be called Dystopia. The Pandoras um, cover a band from uh, Australia called the Atlantics. Did you ever get a chance to see the Pandoras or meet up with them at all? Like you know Kim Kim and the Muffs, their new band. They're on Warner Brothers, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, Muffs. I think I don't know if they're a reprise or one or whatever, but yeah, they are. Um, and I only saw the Pandoras once with Sally Sweet who was in the cave girls but um i mean you know i, I to be honest have you seen the muffs or? yeah i saw the muffs i like them to be honest i i like a little bit harder music than the pandoras i like i like stuff that i can just really release you know and just 
I mean, you know, they're cool. They're good for what they do. I mean, I, they're really cool, but that's just not something I, I don't own a record or anything, uh, you know. I was looking at Cake Magazine from Minneapolis, and they seem to always mention you. Sure. Do they? I haven't, I haven't read it in a while either. I've been out of town, but... Um, well, just, they're, actually, they're doing really well for being such a new magazine. So they're being distributed all over, and um, they're getting a lot of recognition. It's really, it's really neat, because, I mean, um, I like them because they, they try and do a lot more bands than just, like, you know, like when you open up The Enemy or Melody Maker, it's the same fucking, same bands every week. It's just like... Well, they what? find new bands to make, like Frank and Walters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, but I mean... Cake is like local Minneapolis, and I mean, I'm telling you, there is so many good bands in Minneapolis. I, that's why I started a record label. Spanish Fly, right? So, you know, to like help out as many of my friends in Minneapolis as that I could. You know, and now I'm, now I'm like, have a friend in Boston, I'm doing his band called Queer, and a friend in Seattle doing his band Sleep Capsule. You know, that I was just trying to magnify in Minneapolis, but... I'll have to get another man. We, I put out a band called Smut, Support Piece Female Band. Isn't there a band called Smut from Portland, I heard? Is there? Yeah, I heard they're on Glen Records. Actually, a local Vancouver label has a band called Smut, and I think they're from Portland. Huh. I guess um, Smut's going to have to get copywritten then really quick. I heard them getting played on CBC Brave New Waves. They did a little feature, and they, they played Smut. Oh, cool. That's great. What is profane existence, that anarchist mag in, mag in um, Minneapolis? What are they thinking of Babes in Toyland? Um, I think, you know, I really think that they still like us because I see those guys and all and stuff. But, uh, you know, when you be, when you get bigger, like people that still come, they still, I mean, you know, we play like the main room and it's a big place. They'll still come to see it. But to be honest, the only bands they really go see are the really, you know, hardcore bands, you know, the, oi, 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 you know, or just, you know. Hardcore, punk rock, discharge, you know, the whole kind of. What do they think about you guys playing Lollapalooza? Lollapalooza. A <laughs> whole lot of losing. What do they think? I Probably they think we've sold out, but I don't know. I, I'm enjoying it, and I don't really care what anyone thinks. How does one get chosen for Lollapalooza? What's that? How does one get chosen? Like, how does a band get chosen? Do you know? Uh, um, well, I know that uh, Ted Gardner, who is Barry Farrell's partner, who does the whole... Kit and Caboodle, he um, came to see us in in L.A. at the Whiskey, and he really liked us a lot. In fact, a man last night who said he wasn't there, um, who's like, he he is his partner for Lollapalooza, um, Stuart Ross, he said that he didn't come to the show, but he said that they were thinking of other bands, and the people that saw us at the Whiskey said, oh, no, we want, you know, we definitely want to get Babes Tron. So they liked us. Does Perry Farrell have any, like, say in it at all? I mean, I think he has, you know, I don't really know what his, I've never met him, and I don't, I don't really know what, I've never been to Lollapalooza before, so um, I don't really know what the whole thing is, but I guess he has saying it, but his band is Porno for Pyros. Does he still make money? Like, does he copyright the name, do you think? Like, you know, like, Grateful Dead is, like, copyrighted, is that sort of thing? Probably, except unless, um, um, there's an ice cream parlor, Farrell's, that used Lollapalooza, it was like their big... There was a huge, huge ice cream sundae. It had like literally like 25 scoops of ice cream with every topping you put on it. And it was called a Lollapalooza. You used to get like long plastic sticks with like giraffes on it, different circus animals. They had a whole circus atmosphere. And um, if you ate the whole thing, it says uh, you get a big, huge button that says 
I, um, I had a lot of blues. In fact, I have one. I should have uh, worn it. I mean, so I've been wearing a big one that says I ate a Lollapalooza. It's just like, so like that REM new album, wasn't it named after a diner? You know, automatic for the people. I think it was named after a diner. And you, well, you just yeah. played, wow. I heard, um, yeah, I guess someone stole the sign from that place and, uh, and, the, and Michael caused a big uproar and so they returned it. What about the other bands on the tour? Do you guys know them like Tool? Like what is Tool? I have no idea who they are. I just met one of the guys named Adam. That's all. I don't know anything about him. I've never heard him. And uh, but um, the only band I know is uh, Dinosaur Jr. because we toured with them last year, and that's uh, that's it. You know, with Jay Maskus, I've heard some interviews with him from radio types, and he's very laid back. I don't think he even does anything else. Is he really like that in person? Like, totally, like, you'd ask him a question, like, hey, Jay, so I really like your band, and he's like, uh, yeah. Like, what is he like in person? Like that. But, I mean, I, I can get him excited because I've known him for a long time. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, last night we were moonwalking at, and playing pool. So, but, but, I mean, you know, it's like, but, I mean, I guess it, I don't know. He's, he's pretty good with me, you know, but I've known him for quite a while, and so, he's a nice man. It's show business, isn't it? You're in show business, right? Yep. Um, so when a band signed to like a major label, like modern indie bands, it seems like they maintain the show part. But do they lose the business end of things? Um, not really, because we we really the um, Warner Brothers never tells us what to do. They make suggestions, but we basically run the show. Like we put on our records what we want to. We do the covers as we want to. And everything, you know, and the art director takes care of it. Like, we tell him what we want, and then he does the layout and all that stuff. But, I mean, they basically, we are they are not employed by us, and we are not employed by them. We work together, and it's really great. Warner Brothers is an exceptional... Um, okay, that's the show part. What about the business? Like, did it make you tour with bands you don't like, like, or bands that are different? Like, um, you toured with Faith No More. I thought that was sort of unusual. Well, no, I, mean, I don't really know, but it was how did that go? What, which one? Did you did you, you guys play with Faith No More at all? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, we toured with them for like five weeks. It was excellent. It was really. I mean, it's not like they're my favorite band, but I mean, they have really good energy, and they are seriously really into it. I mean, you know, it's not like there's so many bands out there that you can just tell that they're just doing it because everyone wants to be a rock star or whatever, you know. But I, you know, but it's it's. I think it's really great to have variety in tours. Um, just because, I mean, who wants to, like, listen to, like, heavy metal tours? Those things, I mean, I, I like metal, but I can't really go to those shows unless I want to see that one band that I really like. Because, I mean, it's like one long five-hour song, you know what I mean? It's like, when you have, when you throw in, I mean, Caius is different than us and Faith No More. We're different than the other, because it was Caius, Babes of Trial, and Faith No More. I thought it was a really great triple bill. How about like door prices? Do you have any control over that? Like, today it's like 40 bucks or $36. No, because Fugazi stayed at my house for three days, and and um, they had brought up that uh, that we were that they were asked to do it, and, and Ian was like, "Yeah, the tickets are five dollars," because you know he only plays for five dollars a show. I mean, a ticket. That's it. It's in his contract for Fugazi. So they're like, you know, they're like, "No, we aren't playing because the tickets aren't five dollars." But I mean, no, we don't have a scene. And I mean, you know, if the if the tickets are forty dollars, figure that there's like. What, 12 bands playing or 13, 14? That's, that's a good price because if you went and saw all these bands individually, you know you'd be paying like $100, you know what I mean? So, I mean, 
It's it's steep and it's and you know with the with the economy today, it's you know it's really hard. But you know, there's so many people are like, oh, I can't afford to do this or that that. But yet they're in a bar like every night, getting drunk and spending their money. You know, it's like people have got to get their priorities right. You know. How much is a Reading Festival to get in? You guys have played that, haven't you? Yeah, we have, but I don't know. I have you played Japan at all? No, we're going there. Because I heard the Young Fresh Fellows. You know Young Fresh Fellows? They played in Japan, and it was $40 to get in. That's what I heard. But, you know, I mean, you got to realize, too, that, like, some people's dollars are a lot. You know, like, I paid $6 for a box of tampons today. In the United States, they're, like, $1.80. You know what I mean? It's like, because the money difference, they are a little bit more expensive here. But, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you have it. Um, so winding up here, we're speaking to Lori of Babes in Toyland here. One good thing about a major label is they did get you on ABC TV's In Concert, hosted by the guy from Jesus Jones. I saw that. I didn't get to see it because I was told it was on at midnight, but it didn't come on until like uh, 2 in the morning or something. So I, I, I flipped on the TV. I didn't see it. I was like, oh, well. Someone, I, I asked my friend in Minneapolis to tape it. So you got some neat dance mixes coming out. Did make by da Dave Ogilvy? Is it like your new single had a couple weird mixes on it? Did it? You were like there's a promotional thing handed out to radio. They said like dance industrial mix by Dave Ogilvy and like radio mix by somebody else. It was like a promotional thing handed out for the Lollapalooza tour. Have you done any? I got any weird mixes then with your song? I have no idea, but you know a lot of stuff goes on that I don't know about. <laughs> One thing, though, about Vancouver is you have lots of fans. Like, look at this. Have you, uh, do you know the guy who did this fan scene, Jesus? John. Yeah, John, crazy man. He's totally cool. Like, yeah, is, it, cool. is it wild to see? Like, there's a picture here of Cat in the cover of the new Jesus. How does that feel, Lori, like when you get, like, illustrated or drawn or stuff like that? must be pretty wild, eh? Well, I mean, it's kind of it's nice that people take their time to, <laughs> to work on me. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I'm not... I'm not a, I, I don't find myself an egotistical person, so I just kind of like, you know, like I have a lot, tons of videos of us, I have a lot of records of that, you know, I've, I have everything we've done, I think, but, you know, it's like, I've never sat down and listened to it or watched it. But it's really neat, though, when I set a picture of Cat there. That's not a bad crunch. Are they any good? Actually, I just, I've only seen one video, but it was really cool. I liked it. And that's like Stu from Lubricated Goat and Cat and some, and John, the guy from John Spencer? Yeah, it's Russell, the drummer. He's an awesome drummer. So, Lori, are you better at Tetris or pool? Um, I'm pretty good at both, if I may say. But probably pool. I, last night I was kicking butt until, um, until uh, uh, Ted Gardner, who does La Blues, he was my partner. I had one for like two hours straight. I just sat at the table. And then um, he was my partner, and then we lost. Great. Well, thanks so much for speaking to me, Lori, of Babes and Toilet. Can you have a station ID for us? Sure. It's the CITR 101.9 FM. Okay. Hi, this is Lori from Babes and Toilet, and you're listening to CITR and 101.9 FM. And Lori, why should people care about Babes and Toyland? You should care about us because we really care about you. All right. Do, 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 do.
You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the pop group with Colorblind, a favorite of Lori from Babes in Toyland. That particular interview you heard before the pop group's Colorblind was with Lori from Babes in Toyland from June 18th, 19th. 1993. And we're going to have Lori from Babes in Toyland on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. Are you there at all, Lori, anywhere? 
Uh, this is me. Hello, Lori. How the hell are you? Hi, Nardwar. How's it going? Good. Uh, I guess, first off, who are you? <laughs> I'm, um, I'm a American born in Minneapolis, Minnesota quite a few years ago, and I uh, graduated from high school in New York and got to see a lot of music when I was in high school in New York City. So I was fortunate fortunate enough to see, like, um, Queen and Patti Smith and the Dead Boys and, oh, God, and Suicide and all those bands in the 70s in New York City. And uh, then after that, I moved to Key West, Florida when I graduated from high school, lived there for a bit, and then went back to Minneapolis and since then, I've lived, I just lived in Austin, Texas for seven years, and now I live back in Minneapolis, and I'm the drummer of Bays in Toyland, and I'm in Vancouver today to rock your world. It's at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You're playing live, Lori. I know. I'm pretty excited. And I played the pop group Color Blind. That's one of your favorites, isn't it? The pop group. Do you know that tune, Color Blind, from their 1980 release? It it is. I really love the pop group. I love that song. I think that they're wonderful, and uh, they are one of my favorites. Um, still, I think it's very timeless uh, music, and I just I just really think I like it. So, thank you very much for playing that. Well, thank you also for your amazing memory and recall, Lori, because you spotted me at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas in 2010, 17 years after I interviewed you. Before you came on, I played an interview that we did at Lollapalooza, June 18th, 1993. I played the interview. Now I'm speaking to Lori from Babes in Toyland Live on the Nardwarta Human Survey Radio Show, who are playing tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at the Biltmore. But at South by Southwest, you came up to me and you, how did you remember? I mean, that's incredible. 17 <laughs> years. I just said one, one interview and 17 years later, you remembered. I, that's one of my virtues. I have a very good memory. Uh, actually, seeing people, if I don't remember their name, I do remember them. And I'll, I'll say, I know you. Or I, sometimes I do remember also people's names and that is something that uh people are always um impressed by and i'm 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 really happy that i can do that but you know nardwar that i would not have remembered you if you hadn't left an impression on me memories memories are all caused and emotions are all caused by um emotions and so if you don't have an emotion attached to something you don't remember it or it's not a memory. So apparently you um, you somehow caused something in me to remember you, which I, I can't imagine what it is. You're quite uh, the wonderful man. And so you just left an impression on me, so I just remembered you. Just incredible, Lori, from Babes in Toyland. <laughs> 17 years after, I'm at South by Southwest, and the wild thing was I had just left the Dirty Dog Bar... At, yes. at South by Southwest, I was hoping to try to get an interview with Courtney Love. It didn't happen, but I did see her perform, and then I bumped into you. It was so weird. Were you at that gig? Did you talk to Courtney Love that night when she played, or that afternoon when she played the Dirty Dog Bar? I, I did not talk to her. Um, I 
don't even think that I even went to the Dirty Dog. Uh, I worked for South by Southwest. I worked there for seven years as an assistant production manager. So I was sure probably working, going to her from the convention center. And uh, I didn't really have time to see things that weren't on my own uh, stages. I just, I was just working. I worked probably about five, 18 hour days in a row during South by. So I didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of stuff unless you were on my one of my stages I was uh, pr- I was producing. So I was walking out of the Dirty Dog Bar after not getting an interview with Courtney, all depressed, and there was Laurie Barbero from Babes and Toyland. <laughs> Thank you again for remembering me. And just to go back to that interview, June 18th, 1993, that was the first tour date of Lollapalooza in Vancouver that the Babes and Toyland were on, first tour date of that year. And I asked you a whole bunch of stuff, like, for instance, the Miracle Workers. I asked you about my favorite band from Portland, the Miracle Workers. You talked all about them. I played them earlier in an Artwork Human Service Radio show, and I want to ask you, you played Portland last night. Did any Miracle Workers come out? How was Portland? Who came out? We, uh, we did play uh, Portland last night at Mississippi Studios, which was a great little venue. And, you know, I was thinking about the Miracle Workers, but I didn't see any of them. I don't even know if they still live in Portland. Um, Kat really knew them better than I did, because Kat used to live in Woodburn outside of Portland. But uh, we did have a great show last night. I saw a lot of old friends who from Minneapolis who now live in Portland. Uh, I saw a wonderful friend of mine who's a musician uh, from England, Scout Niblet. Um, I saw uh, Beth Ditto from The Gossip, um, who I love. Also, both those women are really high ranks in my in my uh, vocalist category, and uh, and. Fred Armisen came, and that was very fun. And that's another connection I had to because at South by Southwest, a few years later, I saw you, Laurie, outside of or inside of a Fred Armisen talk, and you gave yeah. me a letter to give to Fred Armisen. Did he ever phone you? Because I interviewed Fred Armisen, and I said, look, this is from Laurie, and did he ever phone you? He, he did, yes. Thank you very much for that. So I was thinking about you last night with that whole incident, um, because you were getting a hold of him, and I, I watched part of his uh, his panel thing that he did, but uh, I, of course, had to run off again because it was in the convention center, but I was like, can you just give this to him? Because when Fred was in Trenchmouth, he used to stay with me uh, years ago, and uh, they were a great punk rock band out of Chicago, and he was the drummer. He's awesome. And then... Uh, I've seen him a few times along the road since he, since then, about 12, I'd say 12 years ago or so. My friend uh, Todd Trainer, who is the drummer in Shellac, he had a hair salon in Minneapolis. And for Halloween, I was the DJ and Fred, and Fred Armisen was the, was the entertainment. So, um, so I, I saw him a few years back and I, I crossed paths with him once in a while, but 
He came to the show last night. When you look out in the audience, we're speaking to Laurie from Babes in Toyland, who are playing tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the Biltmore Cabaret. When you look in the audience, do you see Kat? I know Kat's on stage with you, but do you see her in the audience? Because I've seen on the internet, there's all these kinder whore makeup <laughs> tutorials. Like, kinder whore can also be called, quote, that early mid-90s Courtney Love Cat Bellin thing. <laughs> Are there people dressed up as cat in the audience? Um, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't really see that at any, I don't really notice it. I see a lot of young ladies that are really young and they're super passionate or even older ladies. There's a few women last night that saw us uh, 22 years ago or something and the one woman, her she just turned 40 and uh, two days ago and her and her friend were just like crazy about us and followed us everywhere last night, everywhere we went. But uh, there's just all kinds of, you know, there's just all kinds of people, not just women. But I'll tell you, I have noticed that the uh, the people coming to the shows are at least half women, which at a lot of shows that does not happen. It's um, it still is male dominated when you go to live music, and there's tons and tons of guys, but. I'll tell you, at Babes and Toyland shows, I bet you at least half the crowd is 50% is female, and it makes me really, really happy. I think it's really great. And you were saying at the Primavera Fest, there was like a female slam pit? It was like females doing the slamming, like five deep? It, yeah, it was pretty great. That was in, yeah, that was in uh, Portugal. It was in Porto, Portugal. Uh, I had noticed because it was uh, daylight and we were outside, and I will tell you the first, the first five rows deep, I think I saw one guy. I could not believe it. I actually take photos at the end of the night still since I did the first time we toured over 15 years ago. I started taking photos from the stage after the end of our set, and I still do that. So I do have one from Portugal, and it's really, really impressive. It's so amazing, and I think it's. I, it might be like that in the United States as far as that's how many women there are, but I think that guys aren't as polite in America to let the women in the front of the show as they were in Portugal. I don't know. It was it was pretty amazing to see. Well, hopefully tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, <laughs> Babes on Toyland will be graced with an all-girl slam pit, five, ten <laughs> rows <was> deep. <laughs> the last time I talked to you, I just was listening to the interview. A couple things came up. I always ask you about that band, The Cave Girls, rest in peace from the girl that passed away from The Cave Girls. But you said that one of them liked blood pudding? The one of the cave oh, girls, yeah. like blood pudding. That's that's really weird. I was just talking about Sally Sweet, like a, two days ago, maybe, um, because when she was she was my roommate, and um, she uh, she did love blood pudding. It was, uh, and she also loved steak tartare. So I always used to ask her, you know, I whenever there was a full moon, I'd ask her to smile to see if there were any sharp teeth sticking out. <laughs> One other thing that popped out from me was that, quote, you got an autograph from a guy that was in Babes in Toyland, the movie with Shirley Temple, when you played with Faith No More. Like, you got an autograph from a guy who was in the movie Babes in Toyland? Uh, I could, but I don't really... I do kind of remember that now that you're saying that, but it is a memory that I haven't thought about forever, so 
I bet you by the time I see you tonight that I will remember that because I, I do kind of remember that. Yes, I'm quizzing you on something from <laughs> June 18th, 1993, and we're speaking here to Lori Barbero on an Ardwarty Human Serviette radio show, Lori Barbero of Babes in Toilet. I mentioned that also, and there's a lot of mentioning with Lori Barbero here, because Shirley Temple's daughter was in the Melvins. So I was thinking, did you ever get a Shirley Temple autograph from Shirley Temple's daughter who was in the Melvins? I I didn't I I might have something signed by you mean I don't have Shirley Temple's autograph but I could have Lori Lori Temple Black was her name um, she was the the bass player in the Melvins for a while and uh, we stayed with them when I uh, lived in San Francisco many years ago well, that must have been the early nineties. I think that whole thing came up because I'd asked you, have people given you babes and Toyland stuff? And you were saying people have given you babes and Toyland puzzles, mittens, uh, yep. records. And one time you got the autograph from a guy that was in the movie, Babes and Toyland. That's what you told me. So I guess all the years I've been cherishing that little bit of info. And then I learned later about Shirley Temple's daughter, also named Laurie, being in the Melvins, which was pretty interesting. Yes, we will be seeing the Melvins. On Sunday at Bumper Shoot, and I can't wait. And they're playing in Vancouver tomorrow night. Oh, and they are? Yes, they are. And you're going to be seeing the tomorrow Bumper Shoot tonight, Babes in Toyland. And then at South by Southwest 2011, Laurie, you told me to do an interview with Brother Ali. Yes, I did. He's still one of my favorites. How did you meet Brother Ali? He was so nice that not only did I do an interview with Brother Ali, he ended up writing a song about me. He wrote a song about me after the interview. I know. I'm gonna, that's going to make me start crying. Um, I remember telling you that you had to see, if there's anyone you had to see at South by Southwest, who was Brother Ali, and I remember you telling me that you ended up, ended up doing an interview with him, and I do know that he wrote a song about you because I'm a fan of his and his friend, because he does live in Minneapolis, and I've known him for quite a few years, uh, and I've watched him go from just, you know, singing, like, in doing, performing at really small clubs to where he is now, and uh, I just knew that you would really like him, and I knew that he would like you back, so I was really excited about making that connection with the both of you. You really are the connector, aren't you, Laurie, from Babes in Toyland? I am. I like to call myself the hooker. I'm always hooking everybody up. Did you guys ever play with any rap bands, or have you played with any rap in Babes in Toyland? Because I saw you played the Riot Fest, and it was like Snoop Dogg was there. Did you ever play with Snoop Dogg way back when? I, did you play with him recently? What about Tupac or Biggie? Did you ever play with any rap in Babes in Toyland? Uh- well, you know, on these festivals, sometimes we do end up playing uh, with some, some... We played with Public Enemy, which was really great. Uh, that was in... It was in Europe somewhere, and I can't remember. And, and I think it was Belgium, in Ghent, Belgium, maybe at Polka Pop. Uh, and Chuck D., I talked with him for actually really quite a while, and he was very, very, very kind and super... And super educated and just like we just went on and talked about so much stuff and he ended up giving me his public enemy tour jacket off his back no way 
Yeah, he did. Uh, well, and actually, that makes me think, thank you also, Lori, because indirectly, you hooked me to Chuck D, because Brother Ali hooked me up with Chuck D, and you hooked me up with Brother Ali. So thank Yay! you, Lori. It just goes on and on and on. It made me also think, Kurt Cobain, did he like rap? Uh, you know, I think in some ways, I don't know if he really liked the hardcore rap, um, but I know that he probably, I'm pretty sure, maybe enjoyed some of the, uh, I know, like, he liked funk and all that. I don't I don't really know if he really liked the hardcore rap, because I don't really think that he liked the sexist stuff, because the hardcore rap has a lot of that. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty positive that he didn't like any sexist uh degrading of women at all or anything or uh so i don't know i don't really know if he did or not that's a good question but i i mean for factual but i'm guessing that he he probably didn't like most of it because it was it's it gets kind of you know he didn't like derogatory words and stuff like that so i'm guessing maybe not but i do not know i never really that I, well, you didn't quiz Kurt Cobain on rap, but you did take Kurt Cobain and Chris to the Mall of America? I did. <laughs> I did take them to the Mall of America uh, when they were recording at Pachyderm Studios. Um, and, yeah, that was that was pretty fun. There, were, there used to be a store there that was one of my favorites that was out there, and uh, it was called Bare Bones, and I knew that Kurt would love it. So we went there, and he bought uh, thousands of dollars of medical and science uh, body parts and skeletons and um, fetal things and stuff that you could buy there. It was, kind of, it was called bare bone. It was kind of like a, a a bone and medical store, and so that's where he bought you know all of his all of his stuff for heart shaped box and for the cover of the record. The, the woman's body and stuff. That was all stuff that he bought at the Mall of America when I took him there. And people were saying to you, don't take him there, he's going to get mobbed. Was he mobbed there? What were the other options or places that you could have Kurt, could have taken Kurt Cobain? Like, what else could have he bought for the cover of his album in Minneapolis? I don't think he was really looking for anything for the cover of his record. It just turned out that way. Um, he and, and actually, he told me that he ended up spending, I think it was over $4,000, at that store, but he wrote a check, and he told me they never cashed the check because it was his autograph. It was like his check with his name on it, and he said they never cashed it, so he got everything for free because they because of his autograph. And now the store is out of business? Yes, it is. <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, not uh, just Steve Albini was the only one that said, you can't take them to the Mall of America. They're going to be mobbed, and I was just kind of rolled my eyeballs. I was like, it's the Mall of America. No one, it's just a bunch of suburban uh, people that don't know anything about anything. <laughs> Lori Barbero of Babes in Toyland playing tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at the Biltmore. Quote, six years ago, original Babes bassist Michelle Leon interviewed a 17-year-old Clara Salier, Babe's new bassist. End of quote. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. 
you explain what's going on? Michelle Leon and then the progression of bass players and babes in Toyland. What are people going to see tonight? And Clara getting interviewed by Michelle. How could have that happened? Wow. Um, I guess, well, Michelle interviewed a lot of people and she's friends with Clara and um, I guess for people that don't know, Lori, maybe you could just go through the bassists of Babes in Toyland. Okay. Well, Michelle Leon was our original bass player, and she was very young when we started in... Well, we did start with a four-piece with a different vocalist and a different bass player. That did not work out. So the singer were left, and then because the singer left, the bass player left. So Kat ended up moving from guitar to vocals also. And then as the time went on, I started singing a little bit too. But after the first, that, that lasted, I don't know, a few months. I don't even know exactly how long, to be honest. Then Michelle Leon was still in high school when she started. And, and I don't even remember how we found her or got her. But she, she was a great bass player. Um, very, very young, um, and at the time that we started, and and then we just started touring, and then she quit, and then Maureen Herman stepped, came to the band, and I remember how how we got her either. I remember how these things happened. She so then Maureen Herman came to the band, and then she quit after about four years, I think, and then after she quit, then we had. A uh, couple tours booked, uh, and we had a temporary bass player named Dana Cochran that stepped in. And then after that, uh, we had a temporary bass player for a tour with a woman named Jessie. And uh, and they were just like for one tour. And then uh, Michelle, oh Michelle Leon came in af- again after Maureen quit. So and then and then Michelle quit again. And then that's when we got the two temporary bass players. And then so when this reunion started a uh, year and a half ago, or, or uh, no, it was like July of last year, um, then we started it with Maureen. And then now, as of about a month, about three, two weeks ago, yeah, maybe a little over two weeks ago, uh, we had a, a bass change up with uh, Clarice Salier being the new bass player. And that all is to do with thank you, Googs number 14. It's all due to do with Google, isn't it? Um, oh, yes. It, uh, the, yeah, if, if, if it wasn't for uh, Eric Fredrickson and Chris Caracas uh, and John Motley, who is also one of the gentlemen, but he ended up getting stepping out uh, a few months back. But uh, Eric Fredrickson and Chris Caracas uh, from PowerSniff, that's the name of their company now, they both used to be at Google. Uh, Chris Caracas was the 11th employee of Google. Um, so, And then uh, Eric Fredrickson invented the Google toolbar. So those two men left Google and started their own kind of uh, company. Like they're, they're kind of, and for us, they're just kind of the philanthropists in a way. Uh, I mean, they're, they were, they've lent us all of this money to be able to, and to do this, to like fly, fly to wherever we're going to, to go to Europe, to, which we just toured for about uh, three weeks in Europe, two and a half weeks in May and June, uh, you know, and 
They paid for the airline ticket. They paid for stuff that we needed. They paid up front. And now with these tours, we're paying them back gratefully and graciously and humbled by how kind they've been to do this. Because without them, this wouldn't be happening. And Maureen grew up with Tom Morello because when you did your big comeback show at the Roxy in L.A., Tom Morello did an amazing intro. I saw it on the Internet. It was incredible. And Maureen actually grew up with Tom Morello? I I believe they went to the same high school in Libertyville, uh, Illinois. They were um, Adam Jones from Tool and Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine and Maureen Herman from Babes in Toyland all went to the same high school together, and it was very odd that we had done Lollapalooza together, too. It was that three people would be from a really small town in, in Illinois and all be on the Lollapalooza tour in 1993. Laurie Barbero of Babes in Toyland playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. When people go to the gig tonight, are there going to be tongue-offs in the intermission? <laughs> tongue-offs? Tongue-offs. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> you are you talking about the the Halloween thing? The tongue offs you have in intermissions. You always wanted to have tongue offs in intermissions of Babes and Toyland concerts. A tongue off? You mean like who has the longest tongue? I think it might have been actually licking each other's tongues. What do you remember about the tongue offs? Did that actually ever come to fruition? Um. Well, you know what I remember is being in. Vancouver around Halloween and there was a pumpkin carving contest and the night before we played our show and it and so they had a bunch of pumpkins on the stage and you got to go and pick a pumpkin off the stage carve it and then they were going to have the competition of who had the best pumpkin uh like an hour or two hours later and so I ended up getting a giant pumpkin I cut the top of it out. I cut eyes, nose, and mouth. And I put my, it's when I had my dreadlocks that were about two and a half feet long at the time. And I had them come out of the top of the pumpkin. So it looked like, and I put the pumpkin on my head. And so the pumpkin head with giant dreadlocks coming out of the top. And I just remember sitting on the stage with that probably about 10 pound pumpkin on my head for the, for the, um, you know, the the competition for the pumpkin carving uh, contest that they had at the club that we played at the night after, but this was the night before. I remember that. Did something also not too good happen to you in Vancouver? I'm not talking about getting ripped off by a promoter, but was there some booze can you played afterwards in Vancouver? I first saw you play with Numb at the Starfish Room in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's wild because Numb have an association with Dave Rave, Dave Rave Ogilvy, who mixed you guys. And that gig, I think you said, didn't go too well, but you said there might have been something else that happened weird to you that night or another time in Vancouver? Uh, well, maybe that was what I was just talking about, because that was pretty weird. Uh, uh, I mean, I could tell you what happened, but <laughs> at the pumpkin carving contest, that something weird happened that night. But that, that was while I had the pumpkin on my head, a man came up to the stage and he had his pants unzippered and he stuck <laughs> his um, units in my eyeball through the pumpkin. Oh, nice. Welcome to Vancouver. <laughs> That's what happened. 
it's neat though. Dave Rave, Dave Rave Ogilvy, who mixed you yeah. guys, he is still in the game. He did some mixing of Carly Rae Jepsen's big tune, Call Me Maybe. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, D- Dave Rave is awesome. He toured, he toured with uh, Skinny Puppy, and uh, then I think he, he was with us during uh, Lollapalooza. Laurie from Babes in Toyland, playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Why did the Rasta refuse to go into the deli? Oh, uh, um, because he was afraid of grab locks. Because he dreadlocks. Boom! Oh, dreadlocks. Okay. See, something I, I, I didn't know that joke unless I made it used to know once, but I tried... I tell so many jokes all the time that I can usually figure them out. Are there any new ones you have? Do you want to try out right oh. now on the audience of the Nardwarder Human what? Serviette Radio Show? Sure. What? 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 You give me a topic, and I'll tell you a joke of it. Canadian pumpkins. <laughs> Canadian pumpkins. I can't. That's too hard. But oh, I can tell you. You know how Canada got its name? How was that? They put a whole bunch of letters in a hat. They pulled out one at a time, and the first one was C A N A D A. Ba boom, Lori from Babes and Toyland. It's interesting, Lori. For all the gigs you've done over the years, you encountered a very young Josh Home in Caius. What was Josh Home like when he was seventeen years old in Caius? I, uh, he was. He left a huge impression on me. Also, as you did when I met you many years ago, uh, we toured with Caius uh, when we were on a White Zombie tour. White Zombie was headlining, and Rob uh, handpicked a few bands to go on the tour with them. And one of them was Caius, and one was Babes in Toyland, and one was Melvin's, and one was the Reverend Horton Heat. And, uh, but uh, Josh, when he was 17, I just remember saying to him, and I... Uh, that he was going to be really famous someday. I, I, I really, honestly, I always watch the drummer. I always have watched the drummer, and I always still will watch the drummer. And I really do appreciate guitar players and singers and bass players. I watch them, but the drummers are the ones that I really usually am very drawn to. But I watched Josh, and he and he. I remember thinking that he's one of my, you know, at that age, I was that I just could not believe what a great guitar player was and how young he was. I would just stand in front of him or on the side of the stage and just watch him with my jaw to the ground, just going, oh, my goodness, this guy is so young and so great. And I remember I kept telling him, I'm like, you're going to be famous someday, kid. You're going to be famous someday, kid. So uh, I'm pretty, you know, I knew that he would get to where he is if he kept up, you know, playing. Because there are a lot of great musicians, but they... They quit before their time, you know, and so not that many people got to see them or know about them. Uh, but I knew Josh was going to go somewhere, so, and he did, and I really do love all the work that he's done since Caius. Did he come to your reunion show at all? He did not, but his wife did. Uh, Brody came to our show at the Roxy when we played in February. How about Courtney Love? Did she come by at all? Nope, she has not. Um Nope, I haven't. I haven't seen her anywhere, and I'm sure that if she was around, we probably would see her because 
she likes to to let everyone know that she's in the room. Well, speaking of the past, Laurie from Babes in Toyland playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Do you keep up with any of the Minnesota North Stars at all? I don't keep up with them, but uh, I uh, I do cross paths with a lot of people that knew I was a huge fan and remember me being in an article. I was in a uh, there was a huge article that uh, that this magazine used to do, and they did passion of rock of musicians, like their their secret passions and their secret. And so uh, they contacted me, and I said my secret passion is hockey. And so they set up uh, an interview with me, and also I got to go and put on. Uh, uh, Mike Craig, who is one of the North Stars, uh, the Minnesota North Stars, I got to go to one of their practices, and I got dressed in full gear when I had the dreadlocks, including a helmet, and we did a photo shoot of the North Stars during their practice, like me on the ice with them, and then body slamming me and letting me hit the, the puck in the goal and, uh, and everything um, into the net. Uh, during the photo shoot, and it was pretty fantastic. This is like a dream come true, because weren't you also like a mascot for the North Stars too? Like you'd been following them for a long time. I, I had been. Um, actually, my father, uh, when I was young, and my father passed away about 23 years ago, but my father really knew a lot, like the announcer, Al Shaver, who is the Minnesota North Stars announcer, and he knew their uh, manager, Lou Nanny, their captain, excuse me, their captain, Lou Nanny, um, who is a player. And uh, he knew, like, uh, J.P. Parisi, uh, or, yeah, J.P. Parisi, Lou Nanny, um, Bill Goldsworthy, who is really, this was all back in probably the 60s, 70s, maybe even late 60s, um, Bill Goldsworthy, who used to do a thing called the Goldie Shuffle when he made a goal. he did this thing, um, but then so he was friends with all of them, and they used to come to dinner at my house. They would be company because they were my dad's friends. So I got to actually grow up literally with the North Stars. We had season tickets, and we always got VIP and got to hang out with them and and stuff. So I really liked hockey because um, I grew up with it, and then I continued liking it after I, of course, you know, I left my house when I was, I guess, sixteen. But I graduated from high school when I was out in New York, and so when I even went back to Minneapolis, I still really liked uh, the North Stars and really went to a lot of the games and stuff with a few friends. And uh, that's one one sport that I really enjoy watching and going to. Laurie from Babes in Toyland, playing tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the Biltmore, a brand new Babes in Toyland. I mean, what I mean by brand new is I played an interview with Babes in Toyland from 1993. This is, we're now, aren't we? This is like 2015, right, Laurie? Yes, it is. That's amazing, right? Yeah, we're not back in 1993. You are playing tonight. Really, you're playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. In Minneapolis, you're seeing a lot of bands stay at your house, like Fred Armisen and Trenchmouth and stuff. Was it at 1960s, 1916 Colfax, or were you also at 1925 Colfax? It was at 1925 Colfax, and I know that that was the address in probably the book that uh, Neil Carlin wrote. I think he had the wrong address, which is really crazy because... 
um, he lived in the apartment building across the street from me, and he still got the address wrong. Um, so that was, and you know, that's the only part of the book that I read. I didn't read the book, um, and, but I opened up the book. I said, okay, I'm going to read one part of this book, and I opened it up, and I pointed my finger, and it was the, my address, but I was like, he got the address wrong, and that was the, that's exactly what I opened up to and put my finger on to read it. Um, and I could not believe it. I was really disappointed. I was like, Neil, you lived across the street from me in the apartment building. There was a huge apartment complex. And he lived in there, and he got my address wrong. And uh, But it was 1925 Colfax, and I had many, many bands stay there. I had many, many bands stay with me at 2317 Garfield, which was the house before that. Um, uh, just pretty much every band that ever played in Minneapolis from 1980 to 2015 has stayed at my house. <laughs> what Canadian or Northwest bands did you put up? Did you put up New Sensei from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada? You know, I didn't put up New Sensei, um, which it was really, a, I don't think that I put them up, but they are friends of mine. And I did um, get to see them in Texas. I never got to see them in Minneapolis because when they played, I actually was bartending and I couldn't get off work that night. I tried really hard. No one picked up my ship. So they came to where I was working to introduce themselves. And I, I treated them to a, a round of, of tasty beverages. Um, they're really great. But I had, like, the Doughboys, um, No Means No. Um, oh, God. Any Seattle bands stay at your house? Oh, all of them. <laughs> I Pretty much all of them, I mean. Um, yes. I mean, everyone probably... From Mud Honey to uh, to uh, um, you know Nirvana, um, I, I just can't even think of all of the bands that stayed at my house. And that was 1925 oh. Colfax, and the address is on the back of the Babes in Toyland record too. It is, and it's also there was uh, you know the Fodders um, F O D O R S. They put out tour guy. They put out like a rap maps and books for different countries and tours that you should take and and all of these different I mean if you go to any bookstore fodders for are in the travel section and they just have hundreds of books that they've written for different countries states all of that stuff but they did one called the uh, rock and roll tour guide for the United States and 1925 Colfax was one of the rock and roll stops you were to make if you were in Minneapolis because of all of the bands that stayed there with me. I love that. <laughs> yep. I actually was checking, and I saw, I guess this is the address for 1916 Colfax. For 1916 Colfax in Minneapolis, we're speaking here to Babes and Toylands, Lori Barbero from Minneapolis, playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It said 1916 Colfax. The property was built in 1910. 1916 Colfax Avenue South is in the Lowry neighborhood in Minneapolis. The average list price for Lowry Hill is one point four million. Yeah, that's probably why the house that was nineteen twenty five Colfax, which was a duplex that I actually lived in, um, they let they actually tore it down a couple years ago, and it really breaks my heart. It really does because that should have actually had a plaque put on it for a historic. It was. I mean, that's where Basement One started in the basement, but it's where so many stories. Um, 
and so many bands stayed. I mean, every band, every band that came through Minneapolis stayed there for many, many years. I like eight years. And actually, uh, Greg Dooley from the Afghan Whigs lived, was a roommate for a while. Um, he lived in Minneapolis. And I had another band from Austin, Texas called um, Nice Strong Arm. Uh, they, they stayed with me for a couple months in that house because they were on tour in the United States. And at the end of the tour, uh, they were they stayed with me in Minneapolis at 1925 Colfax, and they were supposed to fly from Minneapolis to Europe. And for some reason, the tour got canceled, and they were all like, "What are we supposed to do now? We don't even have anywhere to live because we gave up our living spaces to go on tour to Europe." And I said, "Stay with me." So they all, <laughs> two of them, uh, two of them lived in uh, walk-in closets. Another one, I think, maybe shacked up with one of my roommates, <laughs> but uh, which ended up happening. But they were at my house for a few months uh, back in, I don't even know what year that was. So I've had, there was a lot of things happened under that roof. I had a lot of, I had a jukebox. I had a 1960s Seberg jukebox. And uh, so I had a lot of dance parties. Um, I had Susie and the Banshees came over one time and we had a big dance party. Uh the psychedelic furs. I mean, I I had every uh, everyone at my house. Um, do, yeah. you, do you still have documentation? Because you took a lot of pics, like the one of when you and Joan Jett first met. You took a photo. Do you still have that photo? And will that come out in a book? Because you take all these great photos. That Joan Jett pic. Do you still have the first pic from when you met her? I do. I do have that pic. And I actually just went and saw her a few months ago. And uh, we took a picture together. I went with a couple of friends to see her play in Minnesota, um, outside of the Twin Cities. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, you know, it's funny you say that because I really, what I, my plan is in the next couple years is I am going to have to either rent a space somewhere, a warehouse space or something. I'm going to get about 20 uh, banquet tables, like six foot, eight foot ta- long tables. And I am going to start separating my tens and thousands of photographs I took. I'm going to start separating from one table will be like family. Another, another table will be travel. Another table, I mean, there's going to be not just one, one table of travel because I've traveled a lot. But just, I just have to separate them all. And then I'm going to try and make them into timelines. But I'm going to, I really do, I am going to put out a coffee table uh, rock and roll history kind of photo book of mine that I've collected over the years, all the photos of, um, I took of, of me with a lot of different people or just rock photos of just other people. But I think I have enough with me and other people that I can do a pretty cool book. And we're speaking here to Lori Barbero of Babes in Toyland, winding up here with Lori Barbero of Babes in Toyland, playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And speaking of Joan Jett, you're playing with the band Feed tonight, and they're on Blackheart Records from Joan Jett. Is that true? Yes. Yes, they're called Faya. Faya, okay. Um, Faya, because they're, they're from San Antonio, Texas. They are uh, four Mexican folks um, from San Antonio. And some of the songs they sing are in Spanish, but they do a lot. They speak English fluently, but they also all speak uh, Spanish. And they're beautiful. They're, it's three women and one gentleman. And uh, the gentleman plays the guitar, and the other three women uh, play bass, vocals, and drums. And 
two of the women are from the bass player and the drummer, Fanny and Jen, are from Girl in a Coma. And uh, if you know that band. And uh, I, it just so happened that right before we went to Europe, uh, Joan Jett, I don't really know, even know how this came about. I don't know if Faya handpicked me or if Joan Jett had something to do with it. I think she probably did. But I produced uh, three songs for them in the studio. Uh, that was my first production adventure, and it was very fun. And I had never met them before, but they came to Minneapolis, and uh, my friend Jacques Waite is a great uh, musician and engineer. Uh, he has a studio in northeast Minneapolis. And they came to Minneapolis, and I'd met them. I'd never met them before. And we did three songs in the studio, uh, literally up till the morning that I had to leave for Europe. Um, and so that was... Uh, it was a really great experience, and they were so good that I um, I, I asked the other girls if uh, they could be our support act for one leg of our tour in the United States, and they said, yes. Uh, they never heard them, but they trust me. And so I said, they're so great, and they'll be perfect. And you, everyone, you need to come down early enough to see them because they are so wonderful. They're really fun. And they're just wonderful people. And, um, and I noticed the drummer wears, or at least wore, a new Sensei t-shirt. Like, the drummer wore a new Sensei t-shirt. Yes, she does. She, um, They really are into a lot of music. Uh, they, You know, there's some bands where where pe- people are the musicians, they're in the band, and they don't really know a lot about music outside of what they do. Um, there are a lot of people out there like that that are in bands, and I don't understand it that much. Because I, music is my life, and so I try and, you know, know about a lot of things. Um, you know, I try and hear new music. I go out to shows if there's bands traveling, especially, you know, traveling bands, touring bands. I really, even if I've never heard of them, I like to go see them because it's something new, and you're supporting people that are touring. Because when you're on tour, you're working really hard to get people to come and see you, and to get new fans and to buy to sell merchandise so you can get gas to get from point A to point B, um, et cetera, and get food in your mouth. And so it's really important to support um, local music. You love to do that, but uh, you also want to support touring bands, you know, because it's something new. If you don't, if you've never heard of them, who cares? Just go and see them because it might be something surprising and you probably will love them. Um, so it's really fun. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like going on a blind date, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's just really great, and you, everyone should really see Fea. They're, um, in Spanish, uh, Fea means ugly. When are you guys on tonight? Do you know the times that Fea is on and you, Babes in Toyland, are on tonight yep. at the Biltmore? The doors are at 7 p.m. Fea plays at 8 p.m. till 8.40 p.m., and then Babes will be going on at 9 o'clock, and we play from 9 to 10. And you were Lori from Babes in Toyland. Lastly, just winding up here with Lori from Babes in Toyland. You met Prince at First Avenue, and this was fact-checked in the book about you, Babes in Toyland, but Prince didn't allow himself to be quoted about the Babes in Toyland Lori encounter? Oh, did he? That's what it said in the book. It said the author of the book said he interviewed Prince and Prince verified that he met Laurie from Babes in Toyland, but the author of the book was not allowed to quote Prince about this. Yes, that that part is true, yes. I didn't know if Prince was in the book. I didn't know um, because I've never read it. And I'm just very strange. I don't, 
I've never listened to a Babes in Toyland record. I've never watched a Babes in Toyland video. I've never YouTubed us. Um, and I, so it's, that's just how I am. I've never, I don't read, I've read a couple interviews because someone will be like, this is the greatest thing ever. And so I'll read an interview. Um, but I'm very strange. I've never read any of anything about Babes in Toyland. I've never listened to our music. I've never played a CD or a record or anything. So I'm, I'm an odd I'm an odd one. <laughs> but the drummer fact che- sorry the drummer the dr- the drummer you fact checked because it's true. What happened between you and Prince? Really he remembered you. That was when you're working yeah. at First Avenue? Um I I did not work at First Avenue. I spent a lot of time at First Avenue and he used to be around a lot in the early in the in the early 80s. He actually was uh in a band called Flight Time which was uh two people uh one was uh Jimmy Jam, and the other one was Terry Lewis, who are now the huge producers, um, you know, that did, like, Janet Jackson and all that. Yeah, legendary. Uh, they, yeah, they have Flight Time Productions, but um, <clears throat> they were in a band called Flight Time, and, uh, and Prince would get up and play with them. And I'll tell you, they played in the 7th Street Entry a few times, which is connected to First Avenue in downtown Minneapolis, and there were literally, like, 20 people there and I was one of them so I I met him over the years um I actually met him on the street once on New Year's Eve uh in Minneapolis when I was at a a punk rock show at a at a storefront at like it was a little storefront and uh he got out of a car to use the payphone and he and so we ended up sitting there talking for quite a while and so that that was probably in about 19 80 or 81 and so he remember he just remembered me i'd see him at first avenue once in a while uh in the early days before i got really famous and he'd always we'd always stand and talk because he remembered me and he he knew i was harmless and you know he knew he knew where i came from you know i told him because i knew he went to central high school and that was the high school that my father went to so he knew i was a south minneapolis girl kind of from quote unquote the hood um, is where I was born. <clears throat> I was in a very diverse neighborhood that was uh, was probably about ninety percent uh, African American or black, as we like to say. And so uh, he knew that I, I came from the same neighborhood as him, and you know we had a lot in common. And he knew that I I knew him for many years. I didn't just come around because he was famous and try and talk to him. I mean, we I we were we were uh, friends before he became you know really famous. And we're speaking here to Lori Barbero from Babes and Toyland playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And lastly, lastly here, when people head down to the Biltmore tonight, are they going to hear any Babes and Toyland covers? Are you going to do more, more, more? Are you going to do any no. Carpenters covers? Are you going to do The Girl Can't Help It? Any covers are you guys going to no do tonight? No covers tonight, but maybe we can learn some sometime. But Kat, Kat and I, we like playing covers for records and stuff, and we did do We Are Family on we used to do that a long time ago. It was kind of fun because we'd invite everyone on stage from the audience, and there are more people on stage than the audience sometimes. But uh, we decided that we just like to play our own songs because we, we write some pretty good songs. So, <laughs> so we, just, we decided that we're just going to play our own music. Quote, she has a sloppy crotch. It talks to the cocks. Yes. Handsome and Gretel. Now, that almost caused you to get a parental advisory sticker? That was the one that almost caused it, but you didn't get one? 
I, I guess not. I don't know how who goes about that, but I guess it's probably because we were on a uh, uh, subsidiary of Warner Brothers called Reprise. And so I'm guessing with all of the the, the arm power that uh, either our A&R man had or our lawyer or Warner Brothers or whoever, that they probably got to get past that somehow. Did Heelman Special Export sponsor you? Uh, they didn't. Special Export, actually, um, they used to do this campaign of, uh, they, and for, so they did this campaign and I was in an ad that called uh, uh, Special Babe, or ex, no, yes, Special Babe, I think it was, and so, and it was for a Special Export ad, and so it was a picture of me drinking a Special Export, and so... Um, I, they actually had a billboard in uptown Minneapolis uh, with my with my image on it, with saying "Special Babe," and uh, and so, um, but so yeah, they paid me some money to be in their ad campaign, and I was on the back of the local weekly rag um, called, I think at the time it was probably yeah City Pages or the Reader or something, and I every week they would rotate their special export ad but i think i was on it like once a month for for a few months um and it was me with my dreadlocks but i did a photo shoot and so i made it into their ad ad campaign any update on walt mink at all uh walt mink you know i haven't seen them for quite a while um but you know they were in minneapolis and i think they've all gone and done their own thing but I did, they give me a lot of credit because I hooked them up with their uh, show out in uh, New York City for the, um, what was it called? The festival? New Music New Music Festival? New, the, the new, no, not the New Music, yeah, the New Music. New Music Seminar. Seminar. And so I hooked them up for, uh, to do a, uh, a show during that, and that's how they got signed, and then that's where they went from there. And now there's a documentary about them, but they give me the credit for for their for getting a, a door open for them. So I really like them. They were a local band in Minneapolis. They were really great, a three piece um, with a female bass player, and the drummer actually is Joey Warnicker, who ended up playing with uh, Beck for quite a while. I don't. I think maybe I don't know if he still does or not. But Joey Warnaker played with Beck for many years. But also his father was Lenny Warnaker, who ran Warner Brother Records. Did you have That's any inter- Did you have any interactions at all? Speaking of Warner Brothers, with Neil Young at all? I did. Um, I did get to meet him, and I actually had dinner with him in uh, Reading, England, uh, during the Reading Festival. He invited me to have dinner with him, and I was just talking about that the other day. Because it's one of the highlights of my life. Now, how did that happen? I've been trying to get an interview with Neil Young for many, many years. Met him face-to-face, and every time he just says, no, no, no. How does somebody win over Neil Young, Laurie Barbero of Babes in Toyland? Uh, you know, I saw, we were all playing Reading Festival together. It's when he was doing Mirrored Ball with uh, Pearl Jam. And I, I was looking in his trailer, and he was kind of pacing back and forth. And I, I don't usually and look at people's I don't try and look in their windows I don't but I was just like oh my god it's Neil Young's trailer and I just happened to be like looking and he walked past in the door and like 
saw me looking and he just kind of stopped and just kind of looked and then he walked past and he came out and he just came, walked up to me and started talking to me. And I literally, like, when he stopped and kind of looked at me, I went behind another trailer and I put my face in my hands and I started crying because I saw that he had looked at me and I started, I was, I went behind a trailer and started crying in the privacy of my own hands. <laughs> and, and then I came back and he came out of his trailer and he walked out and he started talking to me, and he asked me if I wanted to go have dinner with him. Incredible. Yes. What did he eat? And what did he pay for it or did Warner's pay for it? Or? Oh. oh no, it was at Reading Festival. So it was just kind of like, you know, in the, in the food tent in the, in the, and so we just went back there and ate some spaghetti with, and actually it was with Shannon, Shannon Hoon joined us too, the singer from Blind Melon. So it was Shannon Hoon, myself, and Neil Young. Incredible. And Shannon Hoon has a Vancouver connection because I think Shannon Hoon pissed in like some guy's mouth in Vancouver or in a cup at the end of a gig and got in trouble. So good Canadian connection there as yeah, well but, as as well as Neil yeah. Young. But Neil Young, I mean, he really, we just listened to him the other night on our, on our um, touring rig and I just sit there and I just, I mean, he, he may, I just think he's beautiful and I just think he's wonderful. And uh, I have admired him since for many, many years. And so I couldn't believe that I got to have dinner with him. And he actually signed my, I picked at my Reading Festival ticket. I picked up a ticket off the ground that was like clean and stuff, but it said Reading Festival. And I, he signed it for me. Also, I asked him for his autograph and he actually signed it for me. Lori, you've had all these incredible encounters. People have reacted so positively to you over the years. Has there been, this lastly, last year, any negativity that people have reacted to you? Like, hey, you can stay at my place. Oh, no, you can't stay at my place. Or stop looking at me. Have you had anything like that ever happen? Um, I, negative, you know, not really any, no, I really haven't. I mean, of course, my life is not kittens and puppy dogs, um, you know, I have hard times, but they're, you know, they're just life. It's just life. You know, you go through, you lose, you lose friends, you lose family, people pass away, people, there's a lot of, uh, you know, cancer, there's a lot of suicide, there's a lot of accidents, there's um, breakups. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of things that, that make people sad, you know, but overall, um, I really have a really great life. And, you know, if you wake up and you say to yourself, Today is going to be a great day. I will tell you it will be a great day. It really, you're, the mind is a powerful thing, and you actually can say out loud, it's going to be a beautiful day. And you can look in the mirror and you can say, I'm a good person. And you can and look at yourself in the mirror and say that. It took me many years to do that. My therapist told me that I had to do that, and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and say that. I'm a good person. So it took me a really long time, and now I can actually do it. And I don't do it now, but I really do. I'm I'm very happy. I'm very healthy, and I am I am doing what makes me the happiest, and that is playing in a band with my best friend Kat Bjelland, um, and touring and seeing old friends and meeting new friends, and playing drums and playing in bass and twine. I mean, and with with Clara, our new bass player too. It's just we're just three peas in a pod. Um, music is our life, and this we're living a really wonderful life right now and uh, it's not that it's easy there's really hard things but uh but it's what it's part of the job you know um other people have to do other things at their job that they don't like doing but i'll tell you this it's 
it's uh, I'm I'm just really happy. I'm mo- I lived I moved back to Minneapolis from Austin, Texas, a few months ago. So I'm living back in my home in South Minneapolis, and I'm happy to be there, I'm closer to my mother, closer to my brother, and my grandmother who is over a hundred years old. Uh, I'm closer to her too. So she's still as long as she's still kicking, I'm going to be around and you know and seeing her and going visiting her. So. Life is just really good. I'm very happy. I have, I have beautiful friends. I have beautiful things that happen in my life daily. And I'm, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm old, and I'm doing something that most, I'll be 55 in less than three months. Um, so I'm doing something that, mo, that no, not too many other 55-year-old women are doing. And you also get to discover new bands like Skating Polly. I do, and I love Skating Polly. We took the, they were our support act in Europe. Right now, to end the Nardwara Human Serviette radio show, Lori Barbero, thanks for calling into the Nardwara Human Serviette radio show. I have all queued up He's My Thing by Babes in Toyland. Anything, anything else you'd like to tell the people about He's My Thing? Uh, that was our first, I think, was that our, I think that was, that was our first video that we did. Um, it's, it was done by a gentleman named Phil Harder who lived at 1925 Colfax, and he's actually a pretty big deal now. I mean, if you Google Phil Harder, um, he has done many, many videos. Uh, he actually did all of the Foo Fighter videos, and he won MTV Music Awards and stuff. Um, but his first videos, like his first break, he did that video for us with another gentleman, um, Mikey Toll, uh, and they did that video. But um, he did the, his first major label uh, video when we uh, to he did the sa- Sweet Sixty Nine. So the same gentleman did the He's My Thing to uh, as Sweet Sixty Nine, and he g- actually gives um, us a lot of credit for his uh, career also because we gave him his first break. And so that was made by a, a gentleman um, who was my roommate at the time. And I always do believe in using. Uh, Anyone, if you need an artist, if you need anyone to make your merchandise, if you need a photographer, if you need a filmmaker, if you need anything, I believe in looking in your own backyard um, because a lot of your friends are talented and it, it's a win-win situation. You help them, they help you, and, it's, and it works really well. Anything else you want to add to the people out there, Lori Barbero from Babes in Toyland? Again, when are you on tonight at the Biltmore? You're playing live. It's not June 18th, 1993, because on June 18th, 1993, I interviewed you, and we played that earlier on the Nardwarder Human Survey Radio Show. Where are you playing tonight, the Biltmore Cabaret, and what time, again, are you on, and what time are all the bands on? This in case people are wondering. There's only two bands this evening. The first band is Fea from San Antonio, Texas. You need to get there early enough to see them, which is at 8 p.m., and then Babes and Twilight will start at 9 p.m. sharp. Lori, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? I love you, Nardwar, and you're wonderful. And you are the North American John Peel. Thank you very much. Well, I'm honored that you said that because you've actually met John Peel. Yeah, I did. Was he? I, I, he, he, was, he, was, he was actually a very dear friend. Well, and uh, and I, I miss him, and he was... He did more for music than anyone has, any politician has done for, in, for the, for their people. Um, he was really great, but you, you also, you're the North American John Peel, and I appreciate it a lot. 
Well, thank you so much, Laura Barbero. I'm honored you said that because you're like the North American memory master to be able to <laughs> remember me. Like, incredible. Like, in 2010, I'm walking down the street. And there's Laurie. Hey, Nardwar, you interviewed me in 1993. It's like, whoa, that was that has never, ever happened. And it was right after. It was a wild time, Laurie, because I had not got that interview with Courtney Love, and I was kind of depressed, and I ran into you. And after I ran into you, your good luck continued, because then I met DJ Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97 in New York, who then gave me Drake's cell phone number. See, that's how we do it. And then I did an interview with Drake, so what an amazing day. So head on down to the Biltmore Cabaret in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thanks so much, Laurie. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'll see everyone later this evening. Uh, almost, Laurie. Do do the loot do. Do do. Ha, 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 ha.